it's June 19th, 2017, and this is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. People who want to become engineers often struggle. Through academics, through expectations, and through all sorts of challenges. Today, we hear the story of Hector, a computer engineer in Houston, Texas. He talks about how he faced and overcame plenty of struggles on his path to engineering. systems administrator for a small nonprofit by the name of Portfolio Resident Services, but I also do a bit of developing, and the company primarily deals with low-income families and making sure that they have they meet certain government requirements. Affordable housing and whatnot, that would be some of the initiatives that they, they work with, or Meals on Wheels, you may have heard of that mm-hmm. one as well. So what are some of the things you might do for them? Uh, it ranges between fixing computers, printers, to you know, developing applications, writing scripts or forms for our web application, hiring for data entry. Uh, I have a small team that I work with that you know they're inputting data just to make sure that the process is easier for all the coordinators out on the field. How long have you been working uh, in this field? Uh, I've been with them for five and a half years, but it wasn't until two years ago that I was or actually a year ago, that I was hired full-time. It was right after I got my degree in computer engineering. Shortly after, they offered me a full-time position to primarily code, but as the needs of the organization have developed, you know, I had to take up other tasks such as you know, uh, management and uh, technical repairs because it was easier to have me there and pay me for as a technician to take care of those things than to hire an outside person. They were already familiar with me. So I guess it's that classic thing of because you're in this smaller team, you got to do pretty much everything that you can. Right. Okay. Exactly. I wanted to talk to you because I heard that like you have your own personal story for how you got into engineering in the first place and computer science. And a lot of the episodes that I've been doing before, they focus on how a lot of kids don't ever get to do computer science or engineering because they drop out along the way or they think it's too hard or people don't support them. I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about why you even pursued this career. Like, when did it start? When did you think you really wanted to do this? Um, It started at a young age because my father did introduce me to technology early on. I remember playing, you know, Wolfenstein on this old PC back in the day. And so ever since then, I've been very fascinated with it. And he used to have these little projects with me uh, when I got into it. Uh, he would encourage me to build my own computer. And that would be the, like, so you want a good gaming computer to play all these nice games? Well, how about you look into how to actually build it yourself? What components would you need? And so that, that got me really interested in it. And pr- yeah, pushed me into that direction. Did he? Did your dad know about all that stuff? Or he kind of just encouraged you well he did know how to do it he was a technician or he is a technician as well and uh, Mm. but he just used to run cables for nasa very basic networking uh, computer maintenance stuff but he was he always knew that definitely if he could get us into that field that's that's the place to be yeah yeah when you were growing up did you feel like there were any barriers for you uh, getting into engineering and computer science Growing up, well, my childhood was a little different because early on, uh, I was diagnosed with the. Well, they thought I had cancer when I was in elementary school. Uh, oh, wow. It turned out to be a cyst, and uh, 
but basically I wasn't allowed to attend gym or do any physical activities until I was in high school. So I spent a lot of my time in the library and just sort of, uh, you know, the general social outcasts. Oh, God. <laughs> so I, I got a chance to pursue my own passions rather than just go along with what was sort of expected of that age group. And so just did a lot of reading um, and just pursued pursued my own interests, my own passions. It was, it was very, it was non-standard in the sense that I was... Yeah, there wasn't as many restrictions in terms of what was expected of me. Like even in middle school, they had me be, do an, be an office worker, but generally I could just roam around for an hour or two and just either go to the library really? or you know help out with the administration. Yeah. Wait, so why would they let you just roam around and do whatever you want? Was this in place of school? Yes, uh, I during gym time during oh. that time period, they would uh, let me either manage stuff in the front office or, you know, talk with the principal, vice principal, the counselors, assist them with their everyday things or just sort of study yeah. whatever I wanted. And so did you have a lot of encouragement to apply to a college that focused on engineering? Only from my father. Most of the time from school, uh, they just told me I should pursue sports because of my abnormal height at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and how tall are you? I am 6'3", and I was already around 5'11", in the 5th or 6th grade. So I was, Whoa, yeah. that's incredible. Like, I'm super short, so so I'm jealous in some ways. <laughs> Dang. I may be exaggerating it a bit, but I was definitely tall for that time period. Tall enough to where all the coaches or anyone that I met is like, why aren't you playing basketball? Man. Normally, the really tall kid is supposed to be super cool and everything, right? Really? I, guess, I don't know. I missed that notice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the grass is always greener, I guess, as they say. <laughs> yeah, because if anything, I just stuck out more, you know, that big object in the sky. So... Became yeah. a target of a lot of you know early bullying, but that's kind of expected general name calling, especially since I was in the library and whatnot. Were you like the stereotypical version of what uh, people think computer nerds are or something? Yeah, pretty much. So it's just like once you're outcasted like that, you have no choice but to sort of become what they expect almost. <laughs> and so... huh. But you found your passion. I mean, you did go to college. Yes. Yes, I did. How was that? Can I ask you where you went and everything? And Sure. I went to the University of Houston, and originally I was pursuing my degree in computer engineering and technology, but I switched to computer engineering. And what's I, the difference? Honestly, uh, co technology, like computer engineering technology, primarily deals with uh, hands-on work. It's very practical, so like just measuring voltages in certain applications or troubleshooting uh, breadboards and whatnot, like you can expect them to do that. So it's more of a practical, hands-on. You don't need as much theoretical mm. uh, to be successful at it. And it's also part of a different college. So I was part of College of Technology at U of H, and computer engineering was part of Colon College of Engineering. Then you switched, and how did that go? Well, I knew I wanted more of a challenge. That's primarily the reason I switched. I thought I was already doing the most that I could do. You know, I was kind of just breezing by. And so I was like, yeah, sure, let's try doing this engineering bit because all my peers were telling me that they came from engineering and that anyone who didn't do well at, at engineering ended up in technology as a result. And so <laughs> it was the opposite for me. 
went straight to engineering, just wanted a greater challenge, and you know, right away I was just getting straight C's. Oh wow. Was not doing well, but I still enjoyed it because it was challenging. It was very different from what I was used to. Hmm. And why do you think you were getting C's? It was just hard or I honestly felt like I was doing everything on my part, but I had a tough time just focusing in class, paying attention. Practically every single period I was asleep. I could not stay awake at all in class. And that was normal for me or like I was used to that, but because of how rigorous it is and how much they actually expected from you, those habits caught up with me and so it started to quickly reflect in my grades. It was definitely a lot more work outside of class. And so normally how I would handle that if I slept in class is I would just read a lot more outside of class. But because it's so abstract and because, you know, those examples they do in class are very important. uh, If you're not paying attention to that moment, the book may not help you with when exam rolls around. How did you end up like getting your degree because <laughs> it sounds like you you weren't doing so hot. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I was actually put on probation oh, wow. uh, and I was uh, suspended for from engineering for a semester. And during that time, I just took math courses. I took differential equations again. Well, when I say again, they make you take engineering math and that's kind of like where we go into differential equations. But I decided to just do a pure math study. And so it was a time for me to reflect and also see what I can do differently because if I felt I was doing everything on my end, maybe it was something that I haven't considered yet. And so eventually I'd stumbled upon seeing a therapist and possibly, you know, finding out more about myself, things that I probably did not know I had. And you would say that that helped you get through your schooling? Oh, definitely. Because through therapy, I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder Uh, PTSD and uh, ADHD and the ADHD thing was surprising and it wasn't just because I'd always sort of mocked my dad for this ADHD tendencies (laughs) you know (laughs) but it was kind of like typical like oh he can't pay attention very long you know there's this social stigma that's associated with mental disabilities and whatnot and it's sort of just I didn't understand the gravity of it until my firsthand experience with it. And through that diagnosis, I was able to enroll uh, with disabilities and actually succeed at being an engineer because I quickly went from being an all-C student to getting B's and A's. Really? And so it was very quick, very stark. Oh, well, okay. The first, <laughs> it, the, the last two years were like that, but quickly afterwards, there was a lot of trouble because of my misconceptions with just being with disabilities. I'm not sure who's more at fault for this, but right away, because I thought I had the diagnosis and I was registered with disabilities, I assumed that everyone was aware of this. Uh, but a lot of the responsibility uh, lies on the student to uh, letting the professors know that you require accommodations. Hmm. Uh, the extent of those accommodations I was not made fully aware of. And so I did not have additional time on exams. And a lot of those things that you would expect of somebody in disabilities, I did not take advantage of because I was just poorly informed or maybe I wasn't paying attention. It's, It's hard to really say at this point, but it was definitely hard because every single time I did not perform to expectations, I had to have a talk with the dean. Oh, wow. And he would 
basically say you don't have what it takes to be an engineer, you should quit. Um, you know, like they're very detail oriented. Maybe this isn't the field for you. You really have to reconsider. And he would just leave me hanging for long periods of time. And it would just be incredibly stressful. Then how did you get over that? Because it sounds like it wasn't like this quick instant turnaround. Right. So shortly after that, uh, after my, because I actually got right away my first semester of being in disabilities, I actually failed the class for the first time. So that was different. Part of it was because I didn't actually get any accommodations for having my disability. Mm. And when I talked to the dean about this, he sort of brought it to my attention, told me I should have a talk with disabilities and get that all sorted out. For I don't know, it seemed almost like a miracle. Or my therapist actually said it was probably to avoid a lawsuit. <laughs> uh. But they made that grade disappear. <laughs> and uh, so it basically did not count against me. I was able to retake it. And it was as if it never happened. Interesting. So you got a second chance in a way. Yes, I did have a, a second chance, and it was with proper accommodations. They gave me double time on exams. Uh, if I needed a quiet room or anything like that, they would usually provide that. It would vary according to professors. Uh, some would actually give me unlimited time because they wouldn't allow me to take it at the center. So they would say, if you take it with the class and then come with me to my office afterwards, I can give you unlimited time. Mm-hmm. They, they just didn't feel comfortable giving the exam to the proctors at disabilities. And so they would usually do things of that nature. And so then in your final years, you knew about all the accommodations that you were in, entitled to. You took advantage of them and you performed well. Yes, with therapy and medication and proper accommodations. It was a mixture of all things. Because mm. at that time, I was still getting especially when I got a D, I I was still struggling with my PTSD issues and the trauma uh, when I was younger. Cause I also, part of my coming back into engineering, I had to explain why I would do better. And I had to explain that being a former rape victim, uh, I was still dealing with that trauma. Oh, well. And the Dean, he seemed to really understand that issue. Um, he was very sympathetic. He was supportive and it's funny because before all that, you know, I was just there waiting for the, the because after every semester I had to talk to him and get a paper signed and let him know that I'm still trying to get my degree and that they still have their eye on me. You know, we just have to establish that. But there was just literally, it looked like something out of a movie where people would go in and then they would leave crying and then you just hear a voice say like, next. And <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I shouldn't be laughing at that, but the way you describe it, it's very... Dramatic. It, all it of is. These things. It was almost surreal at times because I was like, "Oh, oh my goodness! I already struggle with anxiety, and to have this built up this yeah. much, to know that you know, it, there's more at stake." Because to me, it was like the end of the world. It's engineering. It's everything I wanted to do. But then I'm seeing all these heartbroken people around me, you know, mm -hmm. going through similar things. I don't know their story exactly, but to see that their dreams dashed in an instant, you know, that could very well be me. That's interesting that you bring that up because I'm sure that you probably weren't the only one who struggled, you know, getting a degree or studying. Did it feel like other people around you understood what was happening or, or, or were you more alone? I was pretty alone. Even in engineering, at most, in a class, there'd be maybe two, including myself, in disabilities, two or three, including myself. So, and especially when 
because professors wouldn't be discreet about it. Like, oh, you have your extra time now. They would basically publicly announce it to everyone else. Like, oh, Hector, you need that extra time afterwards, right? Hmm. Yeah. And then afterwards, everyone would, would ask me, why, why do you get extra time? What's going on exactly? It's like, I'm with disabilities. And uh, yeah, a lot of them would say, well, if I had extra time, I think I would do well, too. And it's just like, well, you don't need those accommodations. This is to make it, you know, the playing field fair. You know, this is my opportunity to show that I do have the knowledge and the skills to be successful as an engineer. I mean, so you ended up graduating and you were already explaining how you, you got that full-time job right after, right? Right. And, and how is that going? Like, would you say that it's different from college? Oh, yes. It's, it's very different from college, especially when I'm the most knowledgeable in the tech field. Because, uh, I mean, I'm ordering everything that we have there, the computers, the laptops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I draft feasibility studies for software when we're because we've been looking at customer relationship management, you know, like Zoho or Salesforce, those big, those platforms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having to draft that and then learn how to develop for our platform as well. So studying the Microsoft API, especially when I'm in computer engineering. So it's almost like I have a minor in computer science, mm-hmm. but my understanding does not even compare to a CS major. So it was a huge undertaking for me. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with puzzles. So having the opportunity to just freely study and provide that, you know, that's been very encouraging and it's been a unique experience. Yeah, like a good engineer, you're continually learning is what it sounds yes, like. Yes, Definitely. To me, that was the most important aspect of having a job. I have to feel like I'm constantly learning something and just being challenged. Otherwise, you know, it's like, what's the point? We're supposed to make all these changes in in the world. Or, you know, engineers building these bridges, building this new technology. You know, you want to feel like you have an impact on society or at least those directly around you. And it, it's interesting. You work for a nonprofit whose goal is kind of to do that, right? To help people's lives pretty directly. Yes. Do you feel fulfillment in what you do as an engineer? Oh, definitely. Even if it's something that normally wouldn't be considered, like, you know, just fixing the laptop or anything, you know, they occasionally they would send me out at these low-income properties. And so the most rewarding experiences have been just interacting with the communities, interacting with, you know, middle school students or elementary students. And they're like, oh, my laptop doesn't work. Would you have time to look at it? And, yeah, I try to make time for them, especially if I'm just working on the property computers and just seeing their faces light up when when their computer or laptop working again, uh, it's very <laughs> rewarding. It it definitely makes you feel like those years of studying was worth something beyond just the, the salary. You know. Do you think that if you could do anything in your educational experience over again, is there anything that you would have done differently or wanted different? I actually wish I could have gone to therapy sooner because these have always been issues that I struggled with but they weren't apparent until I was really put to the test with a rigorous curriculum you know had I known that like the very first semester of just getting all C's that should have been a warning sign for me but I'm pretty stubborn and so I just told myself oh, I'll probably do better next semester but I didn't and got put on probation and there you know I was being threatened by my father uh because he's the one who actually paid for my education. Like, you need to switch now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're lazy. You won't be able to do it. Like, you may be smart enough, but when you don't have the work effort, what's the point? So to him, it was always sort of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. 
uh, he didn't really see it as that there could be like a mental health issue or I could require, you know, those sort of accommodations. Wow. So your story is pretty like, I think it's, what's the word? Like I have, I have mixed feelings about it too, because like, it sounds very inspirational in a way, but also, also frightening because you might think about all the other kids or people going through the pathway to become an engineer and do something that they like, but maybe they have mental health issues or other obstacles and maybe people aren't recognizing right. it. And I, I definitely feel that this has to be pushed by like individuals on a, on a personal level, like start there because even though there's already so many policies in place to protect, you know, disabled people and to sort of encourage them to succeed in society, uh, my professors, like, I want to say that 60% of them, they, they either saw it as a weakness or that I wasn't trying hard enough. Like, even though I had all the accommodations, all the paperwork, and by the way, which is pretty ridiculous because every semester I had to prove that I had ADHD, so I would have to get my therapist to sign a paper that said, like, yes, he still has ADHD and he will continue to have ADHD for the rest of his life. And mm -hmm. just so that I could actually get the form for the my professors to see to give you those accommodations. So they definitely make you go through a lot of hoops and you don't get the same sort of encouragement from everyone. So it's a constant struggle of like, yeah. should I be doing this? Was I meant to do this? Like having ADHD, like I do have trouble being focused with attention to details. You know, those seems almost essential in engineering. Like maybe I just wasn't cut out for it. I guess one final thing that I was thinking about, could you think back and is there any teacher or educational person in your life who you would consider really great that you could describe someone who really helped you? Uh, yes. Actually, in my senior year, I was taking advanced di digital design and a doctor I can never pronounce her first name, so I'm just going to spell it. <laughs> Y-U-H-U-A, Chen. Y-U-H-U-A, okay. And uh, she was very encouraging. She would give me unlimited time on exams. Um, she always sort of gave this impression. She wouldn't even take grades. She wouldn't let us know our grades until the end of the semester because she just wanted to focus on our, do we feel that we're progressing as an individual. Wow. So to have that encouragement in that sort of uh, environment where I wasn't constantly stressed out if I was outperforming my peers, you know, just focusing on have I learned anything, it was a very, it's a very different approach. And I really appreciated it because she made me feel like I could do anything almost. If I'm not comparing myself to everyone else and just within what I've done, then yeah, it definitely feels like I've achieved something. I definitely feel like I'm important to this overall system that's really awesome you know that that's just the one that i want to think you know there's this expression i'm, I'm paraphrasing but all your all the greatest teachers are the ones you never think and that mostly has to do with the fact that people just they're terrible examples in your life <laughs> like they're the ones who put you down the ones who said you couldn't do it oh. you know they don't deserve things but they definitely show you what you don't <laughs> <laughs> want to be you know like i don't want to be the person that oppresses wow. others or say that they can't accomplish anything i want to encourage others i want them to feel like they can do anything nothing's out of reach all right well 
Thank you, Hector. Oh, you're very welcome, Pius. It was a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah, I really Glad appreciate it. This. Thanks. And uh, take care. We'll talk you again too. sometime. For links to a few of the things mentioned today, check the show notes. There's info on that video game called Wolfenstein that inspired Hector as a kid, as well as links to resources on educating students with disabilities. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment for me, you can message the show on Twitter at K12Engineering, and you can tweet me at Pius Wong. You can also follow the show on Facebook and on Reddit in the Engineering Education subreddit and in more places. Find details at the show's website, k12engineering.net. Our closing music is from Late for School by BleepTor under a Creative Commons attribution license. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs, and you can support Pios Labs at www.patreon.com slash pioslabs. Thank you, thank you, thank you to my Patreon supporters who make this show possible. There are people donating right now, which is amazing. I think a few people donating to me to help continue this podcast and other stuff that I do. Um, I honestly just putting it out there. I am still debating whether or not I can sustain this show in the long term. And, you know, if I start making money on my video games and stuff, then I probably could, but this is still like a, a free project that I'm doing. And so any support that I can get through Patreon or otherwise is super helpful. It pays for not only my web hosting and streaming costs, but my literal microphone equipment and other things that go into talking to people and visiting people and finding stories. That said, uh, the only other piece of news that I have is that I just found out like two days ago that I got accepted into a Texas State Science Teachers Conference to present. It's the CAST conference. If you're from Texas, you might be familiar. The conference for the Association of Science Teachers here. This conference is in Houston this November, and I got accepted to present a longer workshop called Improv for Engineering Design Ideation. And it's exciting because I get to finally present to more teachers the ideas of playing fun improv games then doing brainstorming then doing some scene work and then doing some drawing and predictive sketching and i am really glad that i got accepted so if you know that you're going to cast and you're interested in my workshop please just let me know uh, tweet me a direct message or send me an email info at k12engineering.net and just say hey i'm gonna be at cast i'm interested in your workshop Pius, you better be there. <laughs> Tell me that. If I know people are interested, I am much more likely to agree to do the workshop. I definitely want to go. I know it'll be fun. I just have to consider the, the costs and benefits. So those are my two messages. Thanks, everybody, for supporting me on Patreon. And uh, maybe look forward to seeing me at CAST this year in Houston. <laughs>